summary of A Mother's Reckoning, Living in the Aftermath of Tragedy by Sue Klebold. Written by InstaRead, narrated by Sam Scholl. Summary In her memoir, A Mother's Reckoning, Sue Klebold struggles to come to terms with her son Dylan's role in the infamous Columbine High School shooting. Writing 16 years after the shooting, she reflects on when and where things went wrong for Dylan and how she and her husband, who were loving parents, could have missed the warning signs. Klebold's story begins with a voicemail that changed her life. At lunchtime on April 20, 1999, in her office in Littleton, Colorado, she listened to a cryptic message from her husband, Tom. Though she intuited that something had happened to one of their two children, she had no way of knowing that Dylan was already a murderer. Returning Tom's call, she had what would be the first of many vague and unsatisfying conversations that day. Her husband knew there had been a shooting at Columbine, Dylan's high school, but little else. Most of his information came from Nate, a friend of Dylan's, who had called the house to check in. Nate knew there were two shooters dressed in coats like the one Dylan wore. He also reported that he hadn't seen Dylan or another friend, Eric Harris, in bowling class that morning. As Klebold drove home from work, a few thoughts stood out. One was the impossibility that Dylan could have a gun. The other was the sick feeling that hearing Eric's name inspired in her. He and Dylan had been in trouble with the police for theft the year before. At home, the scene quickly became chaotic. A lawyer returned Tom's call to confirm a shooting was in progress. Dylan's older brother, Byron, arrived. And soon after that, the police made the Klebolds leave their house so officers could search for explosives. Waiting outdoors in a time before smartphones, Sue was in an information vacuum, and the police weren't talking. Over many hours, the grim outlines of what had happened at the school came in dribs and drabs. An unknown number of people had died, including Dylan. Somehow, he had been involved. Later, she would learn that Dylan and Eric had killed 13 people before they took their own lives. They had injured or maimed 24 other people. With the family home still commandeered by the police, the Klebolds had a clandestine meeting in their car with their new attorney, Gary Lazau. He correctly anticipated that the Klebolds would be scapegoated for Dylan's crime, reviled by the community, and sued by the victim's parents. This information was difficult for them to process on top of Dylan's death, in addition to his crime, which they assumed was some sort of mistake. Knowing better, Lozau arranged for the couple to meet with his team the next day. The Klebolds then drove a half hour outside of town to Tom's half-sister's house, where they holed up for the next few days. From the outset, the Klebolds' grief was fraught with logistical challenges. One was Dylan's funeral. To avoid prying eyes and out of respect for the victim's families, his service had to be arranged through back channels. Another was the family's legal situation, which was dire. On the day after the shooting, the Klebolds sat down for the first of many meetings with their legal team. Over time, they'd face 36 lawsuits. These were tasks that would be difficult for anyone, but the Klebolds' circumstances were especially grim. They were facing a community's wrath, grieving their dead son, and coming to grips with the fact that he was a murderer. And for the first few days after the shooting, they had to coordinate everything from somebody else's home. Though the Klebolds had some support from friends and strangers within their community, they also faced considerable ire. Most out-of-town family members couldn't visit due to the hostility within the community. Klebold, who longed for people to talk to, couldn't seek solace in support groups because of the legal implications. Feeling increasingly isolated, 
The Klebolds also coped with intense media scrutiny. In a time when they wanted and needed to lie low, the world was banging at their door and digging for their secrets. They started to receive huge piles of letters from all over the country. Reactions were mixed, and even the supportive letters were sometimes deeply disturbing. With all these woes upon her, Klebold had to begin the complicated process of sorting through her horror and grief, which continues to this day. In addition to mourning Dylan, Klebold cried for his victims, including the survivors, whose progress she followed in the newspaper. She grieved her old way of life, which was clearly a thing of the past. She came to accept Dylan's involvement in the shooting by degrees. Though her husband's preferred coping mechanism was avoidance, they talked about what could have led Dylan to commit such a terrible crime. Privately, they believed he had been duped or coerced into participating. For months, they had only a rudimentary understanding of what had happened